Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to episode 49 of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow, and I'm here in my office studio back in my home office studio in Cumming, Georgia. And I'm excited to have with me John Ray. John's in his very elaborate home studio there. We've been doing this since the pandemic. John, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah. Sad again, but we're not going to get into that today. We'll get into that another time. Well, uh, yeah, I'm great. I'm great. And I am with Mara Family Medicine which is now Mara Family Medicine, a member of Village Medical. We're going to talk about that today, and I'm very excited about that. Um, but I want to start off today with uh, a couple of things. First is I've had some show topic recommendations from people that were emailed, most of them, and I appreciate people doing that. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at drjim at toyourhealth.md, or you can tweet me. Uh, on Twitter, we are at to your health MD. And so those are the best ways to get with us. If you have comments, suggestions, to- show topics, anything like that, we would love to hear from you very, very much. And also um, today I want to talk about the coronavirus a little bit. We do have a guest and I'm excited about that. We're going to get to him very soon. But the vaccine is out. Hallelujah. The vaccine is here. And I've had my two shots already. I did not grow a third ear. I'm perfectly fine. I did not have as much as a terribly sore arm through the whole thing. So I'm very glad of that. And I'm glad to be on my way to immunity now. But the vaccine coming out has brought out some other things, things that we really can't avoid, I don't think, in 2021 when something like this happens. And those are the myths that people start to spread about something like this. And I guess it was inevitable that this was going to happen. So I've got six or eight I want to go through pretty quickly, and then we're going to get to our guest. The first myth is you can get COVID-19 from the vaccine. I had a patient in just yesterday, it was, who said that he had some, he had a relative who got the vaccine and the next day got sick with COVID. Well, that person was exposed two to four days before they got the vaccine. That's how they ended up with COVID. There is no virus in the vaccine at all. Uh, Just for the technicality of it, the vaccine, basically the ones that are out now, the mRNA vaccines, are a piece of RNA, which is part of what our genetic code is made up of. And they take the, the RNA from the virus that creates the spike protein. The spike protein is what attaches to your cell and gets you infected. And this, it, this vaccine has a little piece of that RNA that creates that spike protein. So you get the vaccine. The RNA attaches to your cell. It makes your cells start making the spike protein. Your body recognizes that as foreign and you create antibodies to it and memory cells to it. So that if you're ever exposed to this virus itself, then it will see that spike protein, it will attack it and the virus can't infect you. So that's how it works. But what you can't get is sick from the vaccine itself. And it's important to understand that we don't want anybody getting sick. So the sooner you get the vaccine, the less likely you are to get sick. Another myth that you'll hear is that the vaccine can alter your DNA. That's 
almost laughable. And if people didn't believe it, it would be laughable. But there's just no truth in that at all. There's nothing about this that alters your DNA. We're not having people put things in us that are going to insert themselves into our DNA. They purely get into the cell, just like the virus does, make you create the spike protein and you react to it. That's it. There's no alteration of your DNA at all. It can't happen in spite of what the lady at the Mexican restaurant told me a few days ago. Uh, she's just misinformed. And if you're misinformed about that, I hope you will will listen closely to this because this is important. There's there's just not a downside to this vaccine is going to be the bottom line when we get through this whole thing. The next one is that if you've had COVID-19, you don't need the vaccine. That's not true. You'll get better immunity from the vaccine than you did from having the illness. So even if you had COVID-19 and a pretty bad episode of COVID-19, you still want to get the vaccine. Now, I would recommend that you wait about three months after your illness before you get the vaccine, give your immune system a chance to calm down and get settled down a little bit. But you definitely want to get the vaccine anyway, even though you've already had COVID-19. Many people say to me, I'm not getting it because we don't know if it's safe. Well, it's not too soon to know if the vaccine is safe. This vaccine has been thoroughly tested in clinical trials. Now, they were able to speed those up some because of our Operation Warp Speed and guaranteeing that pharmaceutical companies would not lose millions and millions and millions of dollars on them. And that's really the reason it got out so quickly, one of many. But this vaccine has been studied in 30,000 people in one and almost 40, I think, thousand people in the other. It's been well studied. And, it's, and the studies are not over. We're continuing to look at the people that have had this. And when you get your vaccine, you should be given a website at the CDC that you can log into. And they'll ask you daily for the first week, are you having trouble? Are you having symptoms? What kind of symptoms are you having? And they're registering all of these things. And all of these things will be looked at and studied to see if people are having any trouble with it. And so far, they're just not. There have been 11 out of a million cases, 11 cases out of every million shots where people have had as much as a severe reaction to it. It's just incredibly benign. What it doesn't contain, however, is a microchip. There's no microchip in this virus. A friend of mine who's a physician got his vaccine and he put on Facebook that the Microchip has been installed. Let the tracking begin. And I think two days later it was he had to take that post down because people were believing that there was a microchip and a tracker. And there's just not. That's just not the case. I can't say vehemently enough how that is not the case. So there's no microchip. There's no tracking. Another little bit more realistic myth is that you shouldn't get the vaccine if you're allergic to eggs. For years and years, the influenza vaccine was cultivated in the membrane of eggs. And so if you were allergic to eggs, there was a possibility you could have a reaction to the flu shot. This vaccine is not made that way. There's no relationship between it and eggs whatsoever. So regardless of your egg or any other food allergy, you should get a a coronavirus vaccine. And flu shots, by the way, are not made that way anymore either. So we've kind of dropped that as well. So if you haven't been getting a flu shot because you're allergic to eggs, you should get a flu shot in October of 2021. 
somehow the story got out that this vaccine contained aborted fetal cells. And I suppose that's because that tissue has been used in research for quite some time. But these vaccines contain no fetal cells whatsoever. This vaccine was tested against the descendants of fetal cells obtained from tissue, but there are no fetal cells in the vaccine itself. So there's a very important distinction. There's no opposition from any religion about this vaccine, and there certainly would be if there was even a possibility of that. So you don't need to worry about that. Another one, and this one's important, and a lot of people do not get it, and I, I know why, but I'm hoping to explain it to you, and that is that even after you get your vaccine, you still have to wear a mask. And that's because the studies of this vaccine and its effect on you as an individual are still ongoing. The studies show that it'll keep you from getting sick with COVID-19, but what we don't know is after the vaccine, can you still get infected, not get sick, but spread the virus. So we're still encouraging everyone after the vaccine, continue to do the way you've been doing until we have more information. We don't know how long this is going to be. It's not going to be a terrible length of time, but it's for now. So if you get your vaccine, that's great, but keep wearing your mask, continue to distance, continue to wash your hands and sanitize and so forth until we have all the information that we need. And the last one I've got for you is that COVID-19 vaccine causes infertility. There's just no evidence that the vaccine causes in either infertility or a miscarriage. Uh, patients who are undergoing fertility treatments should be encouraged to get the vaccine. They do not need to get sick at the same time they're trying to do this. It's very important. There's just no information, no science that says that there's any condition whatsoever that you need to be concerned about when it comes to infertility or fertility. So those are some myths about the COVID-19 vaccine. I hope hearing that will give you some peace of mind and, and increase the likelihood that you'll take the vaccine when you're given the opportunity. Uh, I'm in Georgia and the opportunity has come for some, but it's been really slow for many others. Uh, I'm hoping that in the near future, we're gonna have an, an onslaught of vaccine supply. And we're gonna be able to get it out to everyone that needs it in the near future. But if you get your chance, please get a vaccine against COVID-19. And I have to say, it's amazing that a year after this, this virus emerged, we're giving vaccines for it. That is absolutely amazing. And it's come to be because of many things. One is increases in technology in the vaccine world. And the other is it turns out that if you take all of the vaccine researcher capability in the world, and point it towards one virus, you can get things done. And that's what's happened. And I'm thrilled that we have this vaccine and I hope you're able to get one as soon as you possibly can. So I told you that we have a guest today and we do, and it's in direct relationship to Mara Family Medicine's new partnership with Village Medical. Uh, we have with us today, Andy Thompson. Andy is the chief operating officer for Village Medical. Uh, he's in Cincinnati in his home office. Everybody seems to have one these days. And Andy, we're tickled that you're here with us. Thank you for joining us. 
Oh, I really appreciate the time and so excited to be here and, and uh, so excited about our new partnership with Morrow Family Medicine. Well, I am too. And I want to tell people who haven't heard me say it, uh, what this whole thing is about. I've been working with Village Medical's mother company, if you will, uh, Village MD for over three years now in an effort to improve our quality measures. They've been helping us with chronic disease management, with being sure that patients had their colonoscopies and their mammograms and their A1Cs if they're diabetic on the right schedule. And it's really made a tremendous difference in the quality of the health of our patients. We've been very happy with that. And so about a year ago, I found out that uh, Village MD through their um, clinical arm Village Medical was starting to acquire some practices in our area and started talking to Village Medical about this. And it took almost a year really to pull the whole thing together. But what you're going to find with this merger with Mara Family Medicine becoming a member of Village Medical is that the services that we're able to offer our patients are increased tremendously. Vaccines that we couldn't give previously, uh, visits at home, all kinds of things that I want Andy to talk about have really been important to me. And it's, it's a way to do that. Plus, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to add a physician to our, our roster of providers because we really do need another doc uh, in the area. And so I'm very excited about that. And I would, I would like Andy to take a minute to go over some of the history of how Village MD came to be and how we got to the point of being able to acquire practices in the Atlanta area. Sure, and, and appreciate the opportunity and, and the time, Dr. Morrow. Um, so, so Village MD was really founded and, and was founded by a physician, and, and one of our co-founders is Dr. Clive Fields, uh, who was part of his father's practice, Village Family Practice in Houston, Texas. And one of the things that they um, they really captured the opportunity very early on is this concept of population health. And, and if you think about what that means for the average patient, instead of just waiting until a patient gets sick or gets a comorbidity that inherently comes along with different diseases like congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, rather than waiting for that patient to get sick, can we be proactive in their treatment, try to maintain those uh, disease states and prevent some of the downstream things that are can happen to those patients? And, and, and essentially, if you think about it at its absolute core, what that means is we want to be proactive in keeping our patients healthy versus just being reactive in treatment when they get sick. And so Dr. Fields uh, connected with a a couple of other folks that he's known and worked with for some time. uh, Tim Berry is one of our other co-founders and our CEO, as well as Paul Martino, our chief growth officer. And they identified that there's really been a significant need and there's so much um, work going on in the space. And and folks will hear terms like value-based care and population health and things like that. But really at its core, what that means is trying to um, make sure that we're supporting our patients and keep them healthy, even when they're not in the four walls of our practice. It's that simple. And and in our view, really the role of that that's most important is the relationship between a patient and their primary care provider. And there's absolutely nothing that can or frankly should come between that. And so what, what Village MD did and how they started was really trying to empower independent primary care groups to take better care of their patients by bringing some of these wraparound support services, 
better data analytics, other other work that we can really be a little more sophisticated in, in looking at and identifying what those opportunities are to take great care of our patients and really arm the providers with that additional information so that they can make the best clinical decisions for their patients and in conjunction with their patients and their patients' own individual goals for their own care. And so if you think about it, really the, the whole focus of VillageMD has, has been to enhance the quality of the care and support the pr- patients having a great experience with their physician or provider. Um, and, and that's that's been the entire focus of our model. Uh, and and wherein, where things have changed a little bit, and certainly, you know, you can see this, this is true across the country, it has become increasingly difficult for independent physician groups to stay afloat. There, there's a, a long list of reasons for that. Uh, a lot of them are related to changes in regulations, increasing costs, increase in uh, contracting issues and things like that. It's, it's an incredibly complex world. And at the end of the day, so many physicians, they want to be able to focus on taking great care of their patients, right? That, that's often why they got, why they went to medical school in the first place, right? And, and all that. And, and we're acutely aware of, frankly, the bureaucratic headaches that our patients face every day in just trying to get the care that they need. Um, And and to be frank, how fractured that care really is. And so as VillageMD has continued to grow and support providers all across the country, um, we've had more and more physicians approach us and say, hey, you know, I, I really would like to be able to continue to focus on caring for my patients. That's what my partners and I want to do. Um, we would be more than happy to hand off some of the back office functions that have to occur to keep the business going, right? When processing insurance claims, doing some of the back work with the insurance companies, uh, there's purchasing supplies and getting contracts, all those other things that need to occur in order to support the work to be done. Uh, But at the same time, it can take more and more of a physician's time in in doing so, which means that makes them less available to take great care of their patients, which is generally what their focus is. And so we've been um, really, frankly, honored at the fact that so many physicians with whom we have relationships and many that we previously didn't have approached us as a, frankly, a positive alternative for physicians who want to provide really high quality care to their patients uh, not be locked into some of the broader bureaucracies that that can occur as being part of a large health system and some of those motivations, because understand that, you know, for Village, at, at the very core of what we do, our success is predicated on better health outcomes for our patients. That That is how we continue to grow as an organization. That's the basis of our entire model is to truly take better care of our patients, have them be healthier, keep them out of the hospital where possible and make their care more affordable for them. And and so that's why we're here. And and that's why we're so excited to partner with a group like Moro Family Medicine, who has been doing this for a very long time. It's a pillar in the community. And this is the type of group group that we want to continue to support. It's not turning them into a really large organization or anything like that. It it really is truly about keeping Moro Family Medicine, keeping the character it has, the great concern for the community and helping grow and expand that. Thank you so much. It was interesting. Just last week, we went live on our new electronic health record. Uh, This transaction occurred in the wee hours of New Year's Eve. So in all of 2021, we have been a member of Village Medical. And honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect. But what I really love is exactly what you said about being able to focus on the care of the patient. 
and not be worried about the hiring and firing or the other parts or the supplies and everything else. And so I think anytime you can do that and you can allow a provider to be just laser focused on his patient's health, I think everything is going to be better. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm thrilled to have a partner like Village Medical. Now, there are also, though, some enhanced services that will come the way of our patients because of this this partnership and this change. And, and it's important, too, to point out that it is a change in that now we are a member of Village Medical, but it is not a change in the people that people have come to know at Mara Family Medicine. I'm still here. I'm going to be here. I've got another, who knows, eight or 10 years to do this. Dr. Kendrigan is here. Uh, my PAs, Jamie and Emily and Marianne are here, nurse practitioner Jessica. None of that's changed. People at the front desk are the same. It, it's a change for the better, but it's not a change in personnel. And I need all of our patients to understand that that's very important to us. But as I mentioned, there are some services that people will be able to take advantage of. Andy, can you talk about a few of those? Absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to. And, and you know, if you think about uh, for patients that uh, deal with chronic conditions, like so many of us do at this point, there, there are things that uh, we need to be able to monitor and to manage to help keep you healthy uh, without necessarily asking you to come into the clinic every other day, every other week, things like that, things we're able to monitor more remotely. And so uh, depending on, on the, the, the patient's conditions and the patient's personal needs, um, we, we have a, a series of different services that we can kind of wrap around in support of that clinical guidance and, and shared decision-making between the physician and the patient to make sure that you have additional support. So a, a couple of examples like that are, um, one is we have case managers. Uh, so for depending, again, if you're a congestive heart failure patient, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease patient, diabetic, wherein uh, we know from one day to the next, depending on how you're feeling, how things are going, what your fluid intake is, medication management, things like that, um, you may need some additional support. It, it's a very, very complicated world to navigate your care. And so we have supportive resources who can engage with you and help you navigate through that to make sure that you get what you need without necessarily just depending on the physician to do that. And please understand that that work that our case man or care managers provide is at the direction of your, your provider. Okay. So we, we don't go and, and at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the kind of the sacred relationship between the provider and the patient. Additionally, um, we're uh, working on an app. Uh, that is going to roll out that's going to make it a lot easier for patients to engage with their care um, and and have better line of sight and access to it. Um, and, you know, one of the other ones I'm really proud of that we're working on rolling out in Atlanta uh, in the very near term is, is um, primary care at home. And this is different from home health. And so this is different from just having a nurse come and say, give fluids to you after you've been discharged from the hospital or something like that. But truly for patients for whom mobility may be a challenge uh, or getting transportation into the clinic may be a challenge, things like that, we have the ability to bring primary care providers, usually nurse practitioners or physician assistants, but primary care providers to your home to provide you that care. And again, that is in close conjunction and with the oversight of your primary care provider. So it's highly coordinated care and, and make sure that we're all aligned on what your treatment plan is and what your needs are. But it's another opportunity where instead of, you know, so often, un unfortunately, historically in healthcare, we expect the patient to kind of 
suffer the whims of the healthcare system as a whole and, and be left to try to navigate that. What we're really trying to do is meet the patients where they are, where their needs are, and, and bring the care to them. I'd say those are the big couple that that are on, on a very near-term path, but certainly more to come. I'm very excited about Village at Home. I think we have a lot of people who would truly benefit from that. And the distinction between that and home health, I think, is very important. The care managers, anyone who's a patient of ours who's over the age of 65 or 70 and has some chronic disease has probably had a, a conversation with one of the care managers over the last few years. That was one of the first experiences we had with with Village and just seeing how they can help people stay healthier and stay out of the hospital has been huge. You know, we're going to end up in an environment and in a healthcare system where at some point they're going to pay physicians for keeping people healthy and not for just reacting every time they get an illness. And when we get to that point, this is the kind of thing that will be critical to help make that happen. And everybody is going to be healthier. Everybody with a chronic condition is going to be better off when we get to that. And I mean, I'm very excited about that. I think that's going to be a really good thing. Now, if anybody has heard about this uh, acquisition with Village Medical and has done any research, they probably have found a link between Village and Walgreens. So Andy, if you would tell us about the relationship between Village and Walgreens. Absolutely. It's something we're, we're so excited about too, and, and certainly is, uh, continues our, the support of our growth um, and, and reaching and caring for more patients. And so uh, there, there's really two sides to the relationship. Uh, one is there has been a lot of good data to support the fact that uh, for our patients, often whom you know, have multiple prescriptions that they're managing for chronic diseases, right, as well as any acute issues that may come up, um, having a clinical pharmacist help the patient and help the provider as part of that care team manage those medications. And that's both making sure that there's no contraindications in the medications they're taking, being able to answer questions about medications, helping patients find cheaper alternatives. If there's a generic to be had that maybe costs you $4 to fill instead of $50 for the, the, the name brand medication that's otherwise the same. So for us, um, it only makes sense to um, partner with a strong pharmacy team who can help provide that clinical knowledge set, guidance and engagement with our patients to support their needs in in their care as care gets more complicated, right? Uh, The other thing that we've done with Village, and if, if, again, if you Google Village MD, Walgreens generally comes up, is Walgreens has made a significant investment because they believe in our model. And so what we're doing uh, in a number of locations across the country is we are actually developing co-located practices that will be um, inside of Walgreens. But I want to be really clear about this point. Uh, I think there's a lot of places you can go to your local grocery store, your local pharmacy chain, and a lot of them will have small clinics that that have different names. And it's usually one exam room next to the pharmacy desk where you can go if you've got a sore throat, you can get a flu shot, things like that. And that's great for, for really kind of you know, episodic needs, something quick and minor. It's a high convenience item. That is not what we're doing uh, with Walgreens. We're building uh, three to 3,500 square foot co-located practices that have comprehensive primary care. So everything we've been talking about and everything we bring, what where that affords us the opportunity is it's always in a very convenient location when it's co-located with Walgreens because Walgreens is phenomenal at picking easy locations for people to find. 
And so it, it's easy to get to. Number one, number two, it's beautiful space that it is. We're taking up a lot of the Walgreens space in a number of these that we're doing this. Um, and it provides, frankly, the inherent convenience of having the pharmacist there in the same building and available for support and, and of course, filling your prescriptions, things like that. And so it is um, so it's it's a new model. It's something that hasn't been done before uh, in the United States. And so it's something we're really excited to help innovate with. But but to be clear to, to your point, Dr. Morrow, it, it is not um, it, it's easily misconstrued to be something less than it actually is. And, you know, would encourage folks Google it. Look at the pictures. Uh, these are gorgeous facilities. Our providers are very happy working in them. Our, our patients like it. It's convenient. It's nice. It's new and it's clean. I think that's great. And, you know, we're in a world where we don't have enough family physicians. We have not even near enough family physicians. We don't have enough in in training right now. We need more people out there. And I think this is a great way to get family physicians right where they're needed, right in the communities. I'm excited about that going forward as well. So, John, I see we're coming up on the half hour. And I want to be a good steward of Andy's time as well. So uh, do you have any comments or questions that are floating around out there? Yeah, well, a couple things. So one of the things, and by the way, I'm a patient, so I'm I'm interested in this conversation, you know, uh, from a patient's point of view, because I am one. Um, one of the things I heard in Andy's um, uh, outline of Village Medical it's started by a physician and it's not a uh, medical conglomerate, let's just say that's the head of which is a hospital. So I don't want to like put any shade on anybody else, but just talk about what that means. I guess both of you, I wish you would talk about what that means. Just the, the, that DNA that's in the organization. Well, I personally think that's critical because Everything about the village that I've seen has been the kind of thing that a family physician is interested in having or providing for his patients. And and as Andy mentioned, Dr. Clive Fields in Texas was practicing with his father uh, at Village Family Practice. He decided he had this vision and he's been awarded um, on more than one occasion awards for his innovation in, in business and medicine. But he saw this opportunity to do better and to do better for more people. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. So, you know, if you look at what's going on in Village, it is not the way a hospital would do it. And it is not the way a venture capital firm would do it. It's the way that a doctor would do it. And I had an opportunity to meet Dr. Fields a couple of years ago at a meeting, and I was very impressed. Uh, And it, it just kind of solidified the fact that working with them the way we were at the time with the care managers and so forth was the right thing to do. And so I'm very excited to be a part of this on a more permanent scale now. That's Andy. right. I, thanks, John. And, and it's a really important point. And, and I say this, I, I've, I've been in healthcare um, 24 years now, which is uh, makes me realize how old I truly am and, and I'm getting more by the day. And, and for what it's worth, for the past 20 or so, I've worked for large health systems, uh, large hospital systems that, that employ physicians. And to that point, John, is one of the primary reasons I was so attracted to come work for Village um, is that at the end of the day, the focus has got to be on the care and the focus. There's there's no group more focused on that than physicians are. That's literally what they've dedicated their lives to. 
So having this opportunity for us to not only do that, provide a very specific focus around primary care, um, and, and that gives us a certain level of flexibility insofar as one, we can truly concentrate on it and be excellent at it where we're not frankly trying to manage 65 different specialties, you know, in one large organization. And, and to be really frank, keep ORs busy, uh, keep heads in beds in the hospitals, things like that, right? That they have very large facilities that have a lot of overhead that they're trying to cover. And, and look, I know that life very well. And I don't, there's a, a lot of very phenomenal people that are very dedicated to it and want to do right by the patients, but it's a, it's a very difficult space to be in. Um, whereas, you know, in a physician focused organization, uh, whereas me not being a clinician means, and, and I tell, you know, every physician I've ever met this, the worst thing that I can do as an administrator is tell a physician how to practice medicine. And that's, that's not what we're about. And, and the whole point is for us to provide those wraparound support services to enable the physicians to provide the best care possible. And, and that's really what, you know, what the difference is, I think, with our organization. And to be frank, it's one of the reasons I was so attracted to come be a part of it. Thank you and for that. John, I want to say, too, yeah. that one of the things that I did when I started this practice was I, I put my email address on my business card and I encouraged patients to send me an email anytime the care and the response and the service that they got was other than what they thought it should be. And that's going to continue to be the case going forward. I still want our patients to let me know if it's not going the way they think it should, because Village and I working together will still make sure that it is the way the patients feel it should be. Because without them, we have nothing. And, you know, for 35 years, I've gone into exam rooms trying to see if I can help the person that's behind that door. And that's what we're continuing to do right here at Mara Family Medicine, a member now of Village Medical. Now, one of the other things, thank you for that. Um, I hope I can get your email address one of these days, but. uh, No, you cannot. (laughs) John, I'll send it to you after we're done. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate that. That that, that was worth it right there. Um, One of the other things I heard was, um, you know, again, as a patient, um, I've always been impressed with how moral family medicine has been on the cutting edge of, of technology. But one of the things I heard was there's, there's benefits to more technology by being part of a larger organization that can spread the cost of that new technology across a lot of different, you know, uh, practices, right? It's just, it's easier to afford some of the uh, upgrades that you continually want to make. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Morrow, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll jump in on this one and then I'll, and then keep me honest. Um, you, you know, if you think about uh, it's healthcare in many ways from a technological adoption, well, it, American healthcare has been great to adopt the latest piece of care technology where it's, you know, uh, um, just some of the things with robotic surgery that we've gotten, you know, and developed in, in the last 10 years or so, or advanced imaging, things like that. But at the same time, so much of the technology left to the physician and how they interact with the patient, we still have practices we engage with that are on paper charts. And in and, and many physicians, I don't blame them. You know, unfortunately, electronic medical records often means it can be more work on behalf of the physician because it's capturing all the data into different fields, Right. But at the same time, the the whole point is making that data electronic makes it hopefully more portable for the patient. 
allows more effective continuity of sharing that information because so often our patients are seeing more than one physician, right? While Dr. Morrow may be their primary care provider, they may have a cardiologist they see routinely, an endocrinologist they see routinely, right? Things like that. And the ability to share that information back and forth to make sure they any treating provider has the most comprehensive information on that patient, number one. And two, we would love to save you the hassle factor of having to go in and retell that story, right? Every time. And, and we've all experienced that. And so the other thing that comes along with that, though, with um, capturing all that data is there's obvious intelligence to be gathered about how we can be better at what we do by having that much data, right? And we hear the term big data all the time. But if you think about there, you know, there are best practices to be had about how to effectively treat different conditions, right? And, and understanding, frankly, that it's not the same for every part of the patient population, the ability to divide that up by different risk factors, other things that come along. But, but to your point, the, the technology required to do that, frankly, can be very expensive. And that, that, so it's very hard for an independent practice who's trying to focus on taking great care of their patients. How do they realistically be able to invest in all those extra technologies to improve that. And it is through that partnership where we hit those economies of scale and we can make that an affordable thing that we do organization wide. And again, all of that with a focus back down to better arming Dr. Morrow as he's treating, you know, his patient in that room on that given day. Good stuff. Uh, Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you so much. I really want to thank Andy Thompson, the COO of Village Medical, for joining us from Cincinnati today. Andy, thank you so much. Maybe we can get together again another time for an update when we see what this is going to look like a few months from now. But, John, for right now, that's to your health. 